Good morning. Good to see you this morning. You might have heard, I think it's been mentioned, it's Mother's Day today. I was talking to, to Joe out in the lobby out here, and he said, Mother's Day is a three-ring circus. Father's Day, you're lucky if you get a clown and a monkey. So, uh, happy Mother's Day. Now, I made a comment last week that I think the most beautiful word in the English language is mom. And we have some beautiful mothers here in, in our auditorium this morning. Uh, women who are living out what Solomon said in Proverbs 31. Many women do noble things, but you surpass them all. And we certainly do uh, want to honor our mothers today. In fact, I want to show you a video um, that I think speaks to and speaks about uh, our mothers here at Bay Area. Let's see if it works. Oh. There it is. If it starts. That's not it. Today is Mother's Day. And we want to acknowledge all the women we're blessed to know. We rejoice over you. For your strength. Your wisdom. Your strong love. Your beautiful faith. Whether today is a celebration for you. Or a day of quiet reflection and healing. We're thinking of all of you. If you gave birth this year to your first child, our joy overflows and we celebrate with you. If you adopted a child this year or became a foster parent, we rejoice with you and we want to honor you in your commitment to changing the lives of children. If you continue to struggle with infertility, we are hoping with you and holding your hand in prayer. If you are exhausted and feeling underappreciated, all you do for a house full of kids. We applaud you. We love you. And we appreciate you more than you can ever imagine. And if you lost a child this year to death or miscarriage, we weep and mourn with you. And if your child is lost to addiction or to the world, we hurt with you. And we join you in putting our hope in the one who brings prodigals home. If you live with painful memories of your mom, we pray that you will find in a spiritual mother all that you never had from a birth mom. And if you're one of those amazing spiritual moms, we thank you for stepping up and being there when others couldn't. If you're experiencing an empty nest for the first time this year, we walk with you in this new season and are excited about the next chapter God has planned for you. If you're single, we celebrate your strength, beauty, and individuality and join with you in praying for the desires of your heart. If you're a single mom and wonder if you have the physical energy and financial resources to raise and provide for your child or children, we want to help you, and we will. And if you're pregnant for the first time, we prayerfully anticipate with you the joyful birth of a healthy child. And to all the special women on this Mother's Day, rest and delight in knowing that we are thankful for you. And we celebrate each and every one of you. Somebody say amen. amen. There you go. 
This morning on Mother's Day, I'm going to ask you to do something, and I hope that you will. I've done this before, but it's been a while. I think we ought to do it more often than we do, actually. Um, in just a minute, I want to ask all of our mothers to stand up. Mm, don't worry, I'm not going to have you sing or really do anything. Um, but if you're a mother, if you're a grandmother, a stepmother, a foster mother, as, as was mentioned, maybe a spiritual mother, I'm going to ask you to please stand up because we want to honor you this morning. So if you're a mom, stand up for us, please, if you're willing. And stay standing for just a minute. Stay standing because we do want to honor you for your love and your patience and, and your kindness, your encouragement. You know, you show the love of Jesus all the time. And you do so much more than clean houses and cook meals and provide us a safe place to land. And we honor you. Here's what I'm going to ask the rest of us to do. In just a minute, I'm going to have everyone else stand up. And I want you to do one or maybe two things. If you stand up beside a woman who is standing up, if, in other words, if you stand up beside a mom, I want you to give that woman a hug. Okay? Not a weak, wimpy hug. I mean a real hug. Okay? Every mom gets a hug this morning. Okay? And then here's the other thing, and there's an important stipulation on this second step. If you're related to the woman who's standing beside you, if that's your mother or your wife, maybe your daughter, I want you to give her a kiss on the cheek. Don't worry, it's a holy kiss. It's in the Bible. It's okay. But every mom gets a hug, and if you're related to that mom, she gets a kiss today as well. Let's do that. Everybody else stand up. Hey. That was a real hug. That was a real kiss, though. Okay. Nicely done. Nicely done, Bay Area. I knew I could count on you. Which brings me to a little bit of a dilemma this morning. First, raining it all back in. And then second, do I preach a Mother's Day sermon today or do I continue with a study through the book of Acts? And actually, I am going to try to do both this morning. I try to pull that off. But before I get there, I want, I want you moms especially to think about when you first became a mother, or every time you became a mother for that matter, 
how much thought and how much time you spent coming up with the name for that child. Because I think moms put a lot more time and thought into naming their children than dads do. I think moms think about that. And maybe you think, you know, I've known this name was, this is going to be my son's name, this is going to be my daughter's name. I always knew that was the perfect name. Maybe it just came to you, you know, in, in some moment. Um, but there's something about a name that, that it matters, right? And you just know when it's right, it's right. And this is what I've chosen to name my child, and that's just, that's who they are. Um, and you feel good about it. Let me share with you. You might find this interesting. The list of the top five babies' names from last year. Most popular babies' names in 2018. For boys, it was Liam, Noah, Logan, James, and Oliver. In that order, by the way, according to names.org. And for the girls, by the way, on boys, Timothy was number 244. <laughs> I think it's making a comeback, though. It's a strong name. Girls was Emma, Ava, Olivia, Isabella, and Amelia. But we know that the popularity of names changes, right? Over time, names sort of change. Sixty years ago, 1958, let me share with you what the most popular babies' names were. For boys, it was Michael, David, James, John, Robert. And if you think about it, you probably know a lot of grandparents, granddads, that have those names. People my age, that's popular names for us. In 1958, Timothy was number 12, by the way. So, um, For girls, 60 years ago, Mary, Susan, Linda, Karen, and Donna were the most popular names in America. And again, you probably know some grandparents who have those names. Okay. Why all the, all the information about names? Because again, there's something to a name. There's something important about your name. I told you I'm going to try to make this both a Mother's Day and an Acts uh, continuation. And I'm only going to be able to pull that off, I think, by introducing you to someone in the book of Acts who's actually not a mother. In fact, this individual is not even a woman. <laughs> And yet, he's someone with a characteristic that is so defining, so important, so, I think, motherly, that we really need to stop and talk about him. It's a person with an interesting name. It's a person who actually has his name changed. You know, all through Scripture, you read about people who have their names changed for one reason or another. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. The New Testament, you get to Peter and Paul. A lot of people have their names changed. Um, actually, the person I want to talk about didn't actually have his name changed. Instead, he picks up a nickname. But it's a nickname that it seems like for the rest of his life, at least the circle of believers that he deals with, it's a nickname that he's going to go by. They're all going to call him this nickname. It's a pretty good nickname. This morning I want to talk to you about Barnabas. Now, if you've gone to church very long, you're probably familiar with this man named Barnabas. But again, Barnabas is not his name. His parents didn't name him Barnabas. That, uh, that wasn't his given name. His given name was Joseph. The name Joseph means God will rescue, which is a pretty good name. 
Why wouldn't you want to be called Joseph? God will rescue. Why would your name ever change from that? But Barnabas was a man whose nickname was going to match his lifestyle. And we're first introduced to him at the very end of Acts chapter 4. Verse 32 of Acts 4. All the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of his possessions was his own, but they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and much grace was upon them all. There was no needy persons among them. For from time to time, those who owned lands or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales, and put it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to anyone as he had need. Now I'm going to stop there and at least mention this. The early church was not a socialistic structure. Okay, some people will look at this passage and others sort of like it and say, well, see, the, the early church it was a socialistic organization. But that wasn't the case. I mean, even in this reading, we see that there were Christians who had property. There were Christians who had uh, homes and, and land. And they weren't required to, uh, to give all that up. In fact, when we get to the next chapter, Ananias and Sapphira were told, you didn't have to sell what you had, and you didn't have to bring any or all of it and, and give it to the, you know, the apostles to distribute. So it's not a socialistic thing, but what we do learn about the early church in that passage is they were a group who looked out for each other. And they looked out for each other financially if that was the need. And what we're about to see with Barnabas is he was a person who looked out for his brothers and his sisters. He had a, in his heart to help others. Verse 36, Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, sold a field he owned and brought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. When we're introduced to Barnabas, we actually learn several things about this man. Uh, first, his name is Joseph. He's a Levite. He's from Cyprus. Um, he's obviously a believer. He's a man of means. He's an established citizen. I mean, he's got some financial wherewithal. He's a leader. And his given name is Joseph. God will increase. But one day, Joseph is walking up to the apostles and someone says, Hey, Joseph, you old son of an encourager. How you doing? And the nickname stuck. I mean, that's what they called him. Barnabas. Hey, Barnabas. Son of encouragement. And the nickname sticks. So Joseph goes from Joseph, God will increase, to Barnabas, son of encouragement. God didn't change his name. The apostles changed his name. The apostles started calling him Barnabas. Now, they could have picked up another name and given it to him. Could have called him the preacher, because he was. They could have called him a missionary man, because he was. Sounds a little bit more like a superhero, but uh, I guess they could have called him Mo Money because he had some means. But none of those uh, nicknames would quite fit the character of Barnabas like Barnabas, fit the character of Joseph as did Barnabas. What was it about this guy Joseph that prompted the apostles to start calling him Barnabas, the son of encouragement? This morning I'm going to take a look at a couple personality traits of this guy. See if we can't learn a couple lessons. And the first thing that we learned about Barnabas, I guess is probably the most obvious, he's a man with a generous spirit. Listen, you can't have an encouraging life without having a generous heart. 
I mean, you just can't. If you're going to have an encouraging life, you're going to have a generous heart. You know, to encourage is to give and to release. Not, not to withhold, not to, not to you know, take. If you're going to encourage someone, you're, you're giving. You're a giving person. And at the end of Acts 4, we learn, learn that uh, Barnabas sells a piece of land. He brings it to the apostles' feet, donates the money. Barnabas had a generous spirit. He was generous with his money. You know, we don't like to talk about money very much, do we? At least not in church. Now, we're okay talking about money anywhere else, but, but not in church, which I find ironic because God talks about money all the time. And what God really wants you to know about your money, it's not really your money. What God wants you to know about your money is it's a gift. And God would say, use it wisely. Barnabas is a man who obviously uses his gifts wisely. I heard a story about a, a church that's trying to raise some funds for a family who had a fire and lost everything in the fire. And they were collecting money to help the family out. And there was one older gentleman in the congregation who was known to be very wealthy but pretty tight-fisted. But the preacher was just sure that if he went and talked to this man and explained to him the need, that this man would be willing to help in a financial way. So he visits the man one evening. He tells him about the fire that wiped this family out and, and all the things that they needed. This man glared at the preacher and said, You got it all figured out, don't you? You think you know everything about everyone. Well, did you know that I have a widowed mother who has no way to support herself? The preacher said, no, I'm sorry, I didn't know that. He said, do you know that I have a sister whose husband was killed by a drunk driver and she has five children and she doesn't work outside the home? Did you know that? The preacher said, no, I'm sorry, but I didn't know that. And did you know I have a brother who's disabled? He's not able to provide for his family. Did you know that, preacher? The preacher's feeling pretty sheepish now. And he said, no, I'm so sorry. I didn't know any of that. And this man glared at the preacher and bellows, Well, I've never given any of them a red cent. Why should I help you? <laughs> Barnabas is a man who is generous with his possessions. But you know, you don't get a nickname like the encourager just because you're generous with money. Encouragers have a way of making people feel good. Encouragers have a way of lifting people up. Isn't it great to be around someone who just makes you feel good when you're with them? Someone who doesn't complain. They don't criticize. They don't tear you down. You know, they, they build you up. You feel better when you're with them. You walk away enjoying your time that you're able to spend with them. You're encouraged. Second observation. I'm convinced that encouragers are spirit-led individuals. Barnabas certainly was a spirit-led man. In Acts chapter 11, Barnabas is sent to Antioch to check out what's going on with the gospel there, especially as it pertains to the Gentiles. And Luke says in verse 22, when the church at Jerusalem heard what had happened, they sent Barnabas to Antioch. When he arrived and saw this proof of God's favor, he was filled with joy, and he encouraged the believers to stay true to the Lord. Barnabas was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit, and strong in faith. And large numbers of people were brought to the Lord. Barnabas was a good man, 
full of the Holy Spirit and strong in the faith. You want to pick up a nickname like the encourager? Be strong in the Spirit. Live a life that's Spirit-led. Okay, how do I do that? Well, simplistically, you strengthen your faith. Because the closer you get to the heart of Jesus, the more of an encourager you're going to become. It just works that way. The closer you get to Jesus, the more encouraging you're going to be. If you can think of someone and think, wow, they are such an encouragement, I guarantee they've spent time with Jesus. They know something about Jesus. And then don't miss verse 23. He encouraged the believers to stay true to the Lord. If you have a friend who encourages you to stay true to the Lord, that is a true blessing. Of all the ways we can encourage someone, all the ways we can be encouraged, if i got somebody that's encouraging me to stay true to the Lord, that's a true encourager. Well, Barnabas was known for his generous spirit. He was known for living a spirit-led life. He was also known as a man that could be trusted. At least three different times in Scripture, we read about Barnabas being trusted in situations that needed a, a kind of a special touch. We just read Acts chapter 11. The apostles needed to see what's going on up in Antioch, so they need to send someone. Who do we send? Let's send the encourager. Later on in that same chapter, there are some funds that need to be delivered back to the church in Jerusalem. Who can we trust with the money? Who can we trust to take this back? Let's get the encourager. And then in Acts 15, we read about a theological debate that's going on, and there's some tension going on. Someone needs to show up and, and sort of help uh, solve the problem. Who are we going to send? Let's send the encourager. Barnabas is the one that's chosen. Barnabas was an encouragement because his friends, his Christian friends, knew they could depend on him. And knew that he was going to be reliable. Knew that he was going to be trusted. And then finally, and, and maybe most importantly, at least to me, Barnabas was a man who saw the good in others. And he encouraged them to be better. Barnabas saw the good in other people. It's a great quality to cultivate. Discipline yourself to see the good in people. Encourage them to be better. Barnabas had a very unique relationship with the Apostle Paul. Their paths intersect quite often. We haven't got there yet, but in Acts chapter 9, Paul is going to meet Jesus on the road to Damascus. He's going to go into Damascus. He's going to be taught. Um, he's going to be baptized. And he is going to put, go from being Saul, the Christian killer, to Paul, the disciple of Jesus. When Paul goes back to Jerusalem as a Christian, the Christians there in Jerusalem, they're not happy to see him because they don't trust him. His reputation precedes him. And they're wondering if maybe it's not some kind of a trick in order to actually persecute them. So we read in verse 26 of Acts chapter 9, when Saul arrived in Jerusalem, he tried to meet with the believers, but they were all afraid of him. They thought he was only pretending to be a believer. Then Barnabas brought him to the apostles and told them how Saul had seen the Lord on the way to Damascus. Barnabas also told them what the Lord had said to Saul and how he boldly preached in the name of Jesus in Damascus. Then, 
After Barnabas steps in, then the apostles accepted Saul. And after that, he was constantly with them in Jerusalem, preaching boldly in the name of the Lord. Barnabas vouched for Paul. Paul tells the, or Barnabas tells the apostles, this guy Saul, we're calling Paul, he's seen Jesus. He's a follower of Jesus. And apparently, the word of Barnabas carried some weight with the apostles. Barnabas stood for Paul. If you're a, uh, a fan of baseball, or a fan of history for that matter, you remember that Jackie Robinson was the first African-American to ever play in Major League Baseball. My generation, especially my children's generation, really can't appreciate the kind of hatred and the kind of hostility that Jackie Robinson faced being the one to break the color barrier. And he used to tell a story during his rookie season about uh, playing at his home field, Ebbets Field in, in Brooklyn. Early on in the year, Jackie Robinson committed an error in the field. And the fans there started booing him mercilessly. They all stood booing this new African-American player. Not only were they booing him, they began shouting hateful, racist comments. And Jackie Robinson stood there in the infield in humiliation as his hometown fans rained down this hatred on him. And then without saying a word, Pee Wee Reese, the shortstop on that Dodger team, one of the most beloved Dodgers ever, I suspect, walked over and stood beside Jackie Robinson. They put his arm around him. And Pee Wee Reese just stared at the crowd. And pretty soon the booing stopped. The crowd got quiet. Everybody sat back down. And Jackie Robinson would say that that arm around his shoulder by Pee Wee Reese might have saved his career. You want to be an encourager? Be there for people. Because we've all had times in our lives when we just desperately need someone to come stand beside us and to put their arm around us and let us know that they're there. Barnabas stood for Paul. But Barnabas also stood with Paul. Acts chapter 13, we read, One day as these men were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Dedicate Barnabas and Saul for the special work I have for them. So after more fasting and prayer, the men laid their hands on them and sent them on their way. You know, you hear a lot about Paul's missionary journey. On the first journey, Barnabas is with him. And notice it's not Paul who chooses Barnabas. It's the Holy Spirit who chooses Barnabas. A lot of exciting things happened on that first missionary journey. A lot of frightening things took place on that first missionary journey. And when they do, it's the encourager who's standing with Paul. But not only did Barnabas stand for Paul, and not only did he stand with Paul, we also see that Barnabas stood up to Paul. Acts chapter 13. Barnabas and Paul are traveling with John Mark, who is actually Barnabas' cousin. And for some reason, during the trip, John Mark decides to leave, go back to Jerusalem. Later on, Paul tells Barnabas, let's go retrace our steps. 
We read in verse 36, After some time Paul said to Barnabas, Let's return to, the, to each city where we previously preached the word of the Lord to see how the new believers are getting along. Barnabas agreed and wanted to take along John Mark. But Paul disagreed strongly since John Mark had deserted them in Pamphylia and had not shared in their work. Their, their disagreement over this was so sharp that they separated. Barnabas took John Mark with him and sailed for Cyprus. Paul chose Silas, and the believers sent them off, entrusting them to the Lord's grace. So they traveled throughout Syria and Cilicia to strengthen the churches there. Hey, I thought Barnabas was an encourager. Here he is in sharp disagreement with Paul. The Apostle Paul. Doesn't sound very encouraging. Well, it's pretty encouraging if you're John Mark. It's pretty encouraging to have someone stand up to Paul on your behalf. And I'm not taking sides here, but I would think that Paul, more than anyone, would understand the concept of second chances. You know, we don't know all the details here, but we do know this. Barnabas didn't give up on John Mark. And if that meant standing up to the Apostle Paul, Barnabas was willing to do it. He refused to give up on John Mark. And we see John Mark becoming a very mature, very effective, useful disciple. You want to be an encourager? Be someone's champion. Be someone else's champion. You know, it's Mother's Day. My greatest champion has always been my mom. My mom is not doing well right now. But for my entire life, she has encouraged me. And she has believed in me. Not because of the, the mistakes I might have made in the past, but because of what she has always sort of seen as my God-given destiny. She's always been my greatest champion. And maybe today God is calling you to be a Barnabas in somebody's life. To be a champion in somebody's life. To see someone and believe in them the way God sees them. And the way God believes in them. By the way, we later find out that this disagreement between Barnabas and Paul actually multiplies the spread of the gospel. And John Mark becomes a, an important co-worker with Paul. In 2 Timothy 4, uh, Paul would write to Timothy, Only Luke is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you because he's helpful to me in my ministry. I'm sure John Mark never forgot the encourager. I'm sure... Paul never forgot him either. Paul would end his second letter to the church in Corinth with these words. Dear brothers and sisters, I close my letter with these last words. Rejoice. Change your ways. Encourage each other. Live in harmony and peace. Then the God of love and peace will be with you. If we were to go around this morning and start giving everyone here a nickname based on the way you live your life, what would your nickname be? What would you be known for? What would we start calling you? We can learn some great lessons from the encourager. Now, today's Mother's Day. 
If you have a mother who has encouraged you, you are doubly blessed. What an incredible blessing. And let me tell you, moms, someday when your kids tell their story, you will be the major player in that story. They, are, they will make decisions. They will make choices. They will live their lives filtered through your words and your actions and your example. And just like the people that were around Barnabas, they'll know and they'll remember. You think they won't notice. And you think they won't remember, but they will. They'll remember the patience. And they'll remember the sacrifice. They'll remember the love. And they'll remember the encouragement that they received from their mom. Whether you're a mom or not, all of us can learn some lessons from this man, Barnabas. A man with a generous spirit. A man who could be trusted. A man led by the Spirit. A man who looked for good in other people and tried to make others better. William Arthur Ward once said, Flatter me and I may not believe you. Criticize me and I may not like you. Ignore me and I may not forgive you. Encourage me and I'll never forget you. This morning, the name that you have on your birth certificate, you might love that name. You might love the name that your parents give you. My parents named me Tim, which has worked out well. That's what everyone calls me. <laughs> but this morning, regardless of the name on your birth certificate, what are you known as? What's your nickname? Wouldn't it be great for people to know you as a son of encouragement. Wouldn't it be great for people to know you as a daughter of encouragement? Today, on Mother's Day, as we honor our mothers, let's see if we can't make a commitment that today, I want to somehow encourage someone else. Think of all of the encouragement that you've got. Today, I want to be an encourager. Today, I want to be a Barnabas. I want to strengthen something, someone in the Lord. Listen, we've got a song that we're going to use as a song of encouragement. As a church family, if we can help you in any way, there'll be some people here at the front of the auditorium. You can meet us there. We'd love to pray with you, uh, minister to you in any way that we can. Let's stand and sing.